Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Church, uh, glad you're with us this morning. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at Sam Alliance. If it's your first time joining us this morning, glad that you are here with us. We are in the middle of our series, Overcomer. We are taking a look at the book of Revelation. We're talking about what it means to be an overcomer, how we can resist, how we can follow the way of the Lamb. And I hope this series has made the book of Revelation come alive to you. I know it has for me. I think that I had an underdeveloped appreciation for the book of Revelation. And just as we have walked through it, I have just realized how amazing this book is. Uh, as I was preparing for this and just continuing to dive in and see these hyperlinks that go back to the Old Testament and the whole narrative of this story, I was just, I was like, it's, it's kind of like lobster. I realize I, I keep comparing Revelation to food, but it's kind of like lobster. You got to really work to get in and get to the meat of it. And when you do it, it's, it's pretty incredible. And today we're in Revelation 14. And Revelation 14, in my mind, it's kind of like the intermission of Revelation. And so here we are, and just picture yourself, we're kind of in the lobby of the theater, and we've just kind of watched the first half unfold. And maybe we're in line waiting for a drink, or we're in line waiting for the restroom, and we're kind of reflecting with our friends about what we've kind of walked through. These, these letters to the churches of Asia Minor, the judgments that have been poured out, the releasing of the beasts and the dragon, and just this cosmic war that is happening in Revelation 12 and 13. And as we're discussing that, up on the monitors is kind of the foreshadowing, the preview of the second half. And that's kind of Revelation 14. We're catching a glimpse of what the rest of Revelation is going to unfold, what it's going to dive into in a much deeper way. We get this picture of Babylon, and we, we, we see that Babylon will be destroyed. That's announced here in Revelation 14, but we'll really look at that in Revelation 17 to 19. We get this incredible picture of New Jerusalem and the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to be able to talk about that today, but we're going to dive deep into that when we hit Revelation 21. And so here we are with our second half preview this is written to this, the churches of Asia Minor. It's this invitation to them. They are about to walk into a season of oppression and persecution. The pharaoh of their day is Nero Caesar. They are under the rule and the reign of the Roman Empire, and it is about to get difficult. See, this apocalyptic book is their invitation to resist. It's their invitation to hold firm and remember that they have not been forgotten. It's their invitation to follow the way of the Lamb and realize that there is a rescue operation that is underway. It's their invitation, but it's also our invitation. And that's what I want us to see here, that there is a rescue mission that is being carried out. Here in chapter 14, it's made pretty clear. A lot of the pieces of the puzzle start to come together. And while Revelation contains much wisdom for what we need to do to resist and to hold firm, today I actually want to focus more on the one who's doing the rescue. I want to focus on the rescuer. See, I believe that a key to overcoming is worship and reflection on the one who will redeem, on the one who is working everything out, who is protecting his bride, the church. And so the idea that I want us to gather around today is this, a redemption song 
can only be sung by the redeemed. A redemption song can truly only be sung by those who have experienced this redemption. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. See, our rescue will lead us to sing this song of redemption, and it is a powerful song, a song of grace and mercy, a song of justice, a song where we ascribe glory to the great Redeemer. And we're, while in this sermon, we're going to talk about things that we can do, actions that we can change, ways that we can think, ways that we can resist. What we are going to do first and foremost today is we are going to talk about who this God, who this Redeemer is, and what it means to behold him. To behold. To behold, it's a powerful word. We just sang it. It means to see or to observe a thing or person, especially a remarkable or an impressive one, to gaze upon. And church, that is our invitation today, to behold this one, the one we see from Revelation 14. I want us to reflect and worship, and today we're going to be looking at three attributes, three attributes of this one that we call the great Redeemer. First attribute that I want us to see here, we need to behold the conquering lamb, behold the conquering lamb. You see, what I love about Revelation 14 is we see what happens in the end. We see the marriage of the lamb. It happens. The king of the hill competition is over. The one who stands on top of Mount Zion is the lamb. How appropriate, again, it's not the lion that we would expect. We don't have Mufasa or Simba roaring in power, but oddly a lamb, a lamb that conquered, a lamb that was slain. It's an amazing thing that the victory is secured through the way of the Lamb. And once again, we see this. And with him are his army, his 144,000. See, I believe that there's a lot of symbolism going on here in this passage. And what I see here in Revelation, as we also see in Revelation 7, is I believe that this 144,000 is a picture of the church and its completeness. Twelve nations of Israel 12 disciples, 12, the number of completeness, 12 times 12 times 1,000. I believe what we see here is a picture of the church, the bride, the bride that has resisted and not taken the mark of the beast, the bride that has accepted the seal of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Ephesians 1.13. That is the mark that they have taken. And they are waiting. They have waited patiently with their engagement ring on. So often in scripture, the church is described as the bride awaiting the return of the groom. In this 144,000, they have resisted. They have persevered and they have been rescued. This idea that the, the marriage picture of the, of the lamb, of the church coming together, this idea of remaining pure as the bride in the face of this seduction and the oppression that the beastly empire is continually throwing at the church. We see this throughout the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul tells the church that we have been promised, the church, as one husband, we've been promised one husband, Christ, and we are admonished to stay pure until the coming of that groom. This takes us back, and it's the fulfillment of Matthew 25 and the parable of the ten virgins trimming their wicks, making sure that their lanterns are full of oil as they anticipate the return of the groom. Friends, this is the high point of the whole narrative. This is it. 
This is the rescue operation complete. I love reading these first few verses of Revelation 14. John doesn't even know what to do with the vision that he is given. It is so great, the mighty rushing waters, the wind, the earthquake. It is so intense. All the harps playing. He doesn't know how to even capture it. This is big. This is the climax. This isn't just a ticker tape parade because the troops made it home safely. This isn't the parade because the NFL's Lombardi Trophy is being paraded in the streets of Boston yet again. I have to throw those things in here every now and then. Church, this is on a whole different level. This is enormous. This is the ultimate celebration. This is the marriage of the Lamb. The joy cannot be contained. The rescue has been completed. Behold the conquering Lamb. They worship because they've been rescued. They worship because they've been redeemed. Just as the lamb, the blood of the lamb was painted on the doorposts of the Israelites when they were held captive in, in, in Egypt. Once again, they were under the oppression and slavery. But once again, the blood of the lamb is offered as a protection, as a sign of rescue. But this time, the blood was for the price of their ransom once and for all. Church, the Passover Seder will give way to this song of redemption. I love verse 3 here. It says, no one could learn the song they sang. Not the angels, not the four living creatures, because a redemption song can only be truly sung by those who have been redeemed. Behold the conquering lamb. There will be a great rescue. The second attribute I see of our great Redeemer here is that we are to behold the God of mercy who pursues. Behold the God of mercy who pursues. You see, while this cosmic battle that we've looked at in Revelation 12 and Steve unpacked in Revelation 13, while this is raging, something else is happening. The eternal gospel as it says, is being proclaimed. While the beasts and the dragon are calling people to themselves, the angels are released and another message goes out. And our creator God invites yet again, one last time, his creation to turn, to fear and to worship him. Behold, the God of mercy who pursues his people. You see, in the middle of this section of Revelation 14, we have these three angels that are released over the earth to proclaim the message. It's called the good news. It's called the eternal gospel. On first pass, as you read it, it might not feel that way. But church, look closely. Open up the lobster claw and get in there and see the meat. Do you see the mercy? Do you see the pursuit of this one that we worship? You see, to those who had walked away, who did, not res who, who did not resist, who renounced their allegiance to the Lamb, to those who grew tired and thought that they had been forsaken and were no longer seen, to those, a final appeal is made. A final opportunity is presented. The first angel goes throughout the earth and he declares, fear God, give him glory and worship, for a judgment is coming. The second angel is released, and he announces that Babylon, the oppressive empire, will fall. To the reader of the day, this was a sign when hopelessness had taken over, that the Roman oppression would end, that freedom would be there, and that they thought their God had forgotten them, but this was a reminder he had not. The final appeal is made. Behold the God of mercy. 
2 Peter 3 says a day is like a thousand years to God. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. He causes Babylon to fall. The deception of those that are caught in these systems of seduction under this oppression, the drunkenness is so strong that many do not even realize how deceived they are, and they are failing to comprehend the message of the day. The fall of Babylon, however, releases those that are trapped. The fall of Babylon is the miracle for those that have lost all hope. It is the parting of the Red Sea when their backs are against the water and the army is closing in. It is the miracle for those that are trapped and have lost hope. Church, God has not forgotten his people. Once again, like the days of Pharaoh, or the years that they roamed in the wilderness, or when they were in exile in Babylon, though many lost hope and many walked away and worshiped the idols that were in front of them and gave in to the culture that had captivated them, he did not forget them. Because church, we worship a God of mercy who pursues his people. He has not forsaken, he has not forgotten, and he has not left us behind. And to those of you who are watching this morning who feel trapped, who feel hopeless, who feel that God no longer sees you, to those who have walked away or are on the fence, can I encourage you, you aren't the first to feel this. But look at these stories. Over and over, he is faithful. May I suggest that during this difficult season, you lean in and reflect and you worship through it. I bless you that you would experience the goodness of God, that his goodness would chase you down. Behold the God of mercy who pursues. Behold the conquering lamb. Behold the God of mercy who pursues. And the final attribute I want to look at today, behold the just God who brings deliverance. He's just. He's the rescuer. You see, the third angel announces that the choice is ours. It's a serious choice. Allegiance to the beast in his kingdom is a short-term decision, but it's a short-term decision that will lead to destruction. As Revelation scholar Daryl Johnson describes, the third angel is announcing a crisis of choice. The message of the third angel is not an easy warning to hear. Words are not mixed. Words are not lost in describing the intensity of what awaits those that follow the beast. Fury and wrath, torment, no rest day or night. The words of this vision carry with them an intense warning. You see, while beholding the God of mercy is a reminder that there is a remedy for our wrong decisions, the third angel reminds us that there are consequences for following the beast. You see, this third angel's message, though, is part of the eternal good news. And you look at it and you say, how can this be part of the redemption song? How can this be part of the good news? Well, church, I believe that you can't have the good news without it. The wrongs must be made right. Justice must be unleashed. It's part of deliverance. It is part of the rescue. 
You see, to align with the beast means that you come against. You put your allegiance in that kingdom, which means that you oppress and you fight that which God cares so much about. And as we've seen in Revelation, this is a spiritual war. And so to the oppressors, to those who are a threat to the bride, the just deliverer will pour out his wrath. Not in rage, but with a heart of protection for his prized possession, the church, the bride. And in the beauty of his holiness, the lamb will give what is deserved to the enemy and all who belong to his kingdom Behold the God of justice. Maybe you're struggling to reconcile the love of God with this wrath that we read about here. Let me be honest with you. In our culture today, I think many of us struggle with this. The message of the third angel is a difficult one. I struggle alongside with those of you that are struggling. How can we reconcile this love of God and this wrath? Revelation 14 actually helps me to put this into perspective. You see, we are continually brought back to the people of God who are enslaved in Egypt. We picture Pharaoh and his army closing in on them as they are marching toward their perceived freedom. The Israelites are escaping the oppressive regime that has broken their backs, that has treated them with just in horrible ways that has enslaved them. But now they are trapped and they are about to be destroyed. And yet what happens? We know the story. The sea opens and they cross on dry land into the new promised land. What happens next is the great mighty Red Sea comes over Pharaoh and his army. It destroys the chariots and they drown in the sea. We applaud and cheer at this great deliverance and this great rescue. At least I do. And yet here in Revelation, as the wrath of God is described to those who spread evil and persecute the people of God, I struggle. I tend to call it judgment, not deliverance, not rescue. And I struggle to reconcile the love of God with this action. Yet in the Exodus story, we worship God for protecting and freeing his people. And here in the New Testament, it seems that often we want to question the character of God. And yet these stories mirror one another. You see, I've never lived a decade under a truly corrupt regime that was inhumane and cruel. I've never lived in a war zone. I've never lived in a, in a place where just people were being killed because of their ethnicity. I've never experienced some of these cruel and horrible things. And therefore, it is hard for me to understand the gravitas of what the Israelites had walked through of what those who were under Pol Pot, of what the people in Rwanda or former Yugoslavia had seen with their eyes. Sometimes we need to read Isaiah and Jeremiah and remember the suffering that the people of God went through, the oppression, the cruelty, and the slavery that God's people received because there is a cosmic war that is happening and the churches in Asia Minor are preparing to walk through it, living under the beastly Babylon of the day, Rome. Since that time, the people of God have faced oppression and will continue to face oppression. The future church will face difficulties that are hard to fathom. And wrath and justice must be poured out in this rescue operation. 
You see, the redemption song can only be sung when the deliverance occurs and the justice is realized. When the bride is snatched away from the dangers and the predator is destroyed. Revelation 7, the other place that we see the 144,000, we are given a really powerful picture of mighty God on his throne. But here's the picture. He stands and he comes down from his throne. And it says that he wipes away every tear. Church, may I suggest that he cannot wipe away all the tears until the threat is removed and the ones who caused the tears are served their justice. The redemption song, it continues on into Revelation 15, where the song of Moses, the song that was sung after they passed through the sea, and other scriptures of deliverance are melded together and added to this redemption song. We'll unpack that more next week. But the redemption song is sung with a new depth here in Revelation 14. There is a new excitement because Jesus, the Passover lamb, is victorious. His blood has won the victory. His blood has won the victory. In the Exodus story, the people of Israel had been rescued. But here, the church in her fullness has been freed from the powers of evil, sin, and death. Church, this is a rescue operation. And the Lamb is bringing the deliverance. Behold the God of just deliverance. A redemption song can only be sung by the redeemed. It can only truly be sung by the redeemed, which leads us to the question, can you sing this redemption song? Have you been redeemed by the blood of the lamb? The blood paid the ransom of the wrath of God. Have you been purchased by that blood? Have you been sealed by the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up the cross, and follow me. You must put your allegiance in him. You see, a rescue operation is underway, and the message of the gospel is a message of deliverance. Wherever you are today, I want you to know that you haven't been forgotten. God in his goodness is pursuing you. And if you are sensing his pursuit today, maybe in a house church, maybe you're out on a run or listening to this in your car, but if you are sensing his pursuit to you today, can I encourage you? It's your turn to respond to his pursuit. It's your turn to respond to his rescue operation because he wants you found. Can I encourage you to find someone to talk to? But in the meantime, this is what you need to do. You need to admit that you're a person that's in need of healing. A person that is, can't be in the presence of a holy God yet. But you get to believe. You get to believe that he gave his son as a ransom so that you have access to the throne room of God. And if you believe that, can I encourage you to confess it with your mouth? to confess that Jesus is Lord, to place your allegiance in the Lamb and to join the 144,000, the church. And if that's you today and you want to make that decision, can I encourage you as we enter back into worship, would you 
tell someone? Would you tell your house church leader? Would you celebrate that? Because Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. Jesus is Lord. The Lamb has secured the victory. Churches, we get ready to enter back into worship and reflect and worship again. As we prepare to take the communion, would you pray with me? Jesus, we declare that you are a merciful God who pursues his creation. We declare once again that the lamb has secured the victory. The lamb has conquered. And we declare that you are a just deliverer. The rescue operation is happening and many of us are part of it. And to those today that you have called out of darkness and into your wonderful light, Lord, would you give them the courage to continue on, to tell others. And Lord, for those that are are tuning in, that are watching right now, that feel that you have forgotten them, that they don't feel that you see them, would you make yourself known even as we worship this morning? And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit at SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.